Hi everyone, a very quick note that this episode does allude to some characters' intention to commit rape. We pointed out some incredibly ham-fisted storytelling on Buffy's part, but we appreciate that that might not be for you. If that's the case, then we hope you'll join us for the next episode. Rough. In. Diamonds. Hello, internet, and welcome to Rough in the Diamonds, the podcast where we throw the baby out with the bathwater. We project our poison views on everything you love. We are pointing out the leaven that spoils the whole loaf, the fly in the ointment, bringing you the worst of the absolute best. Now, Dave, a happy Rough in the Diamonds to you, my friend. And a very fine Rough in the Diamonds to you as well. How are you today? Dave, I'm pretty excited. We've got a change from a couple of our previous episodes. Switching things up this week to a bit of live action. So what live action series will we be pulling apart today? Well, thank you for asking. We're looking at Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Season 4, Episode 5, Be a Bad some classic 90s teen drama action monster of the week. A bit of teen angst does not go astray. Especially on shows like this. And I'm pretty excited because this is a gold bond when it comes to a show like ours. And let me tell you, Dave, this one has a lot to talk about. Uh, oh, man. Yeah, absolutely. I just, I just watched this episode yesterday and oh boy. And a great change. Last week, I I would have described our episode as an unmitigated disaster. And this this thing, though, this is a mess that needs cleaning up. It's brilliant. So, Dave, how much have you ever seen of Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Honestly, this is my first time actually sitting down and watching a full episode. So, fresh for me. Uh, What about yourself? I think it was a bit of a cultural phenomenon. And for that reason, everyone does know it really well. I would have seen an episode here and there when it was on TV, but definitely never watched it religiously. So why don't we get started, Dave? Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Season 4, Episode 5, Be a Bad. Okay, Dave, before we get started, there's an interesting fact that explains quite a lot of this episode. Okay, hit me. When it was actually written, the writers had a plan to take advantage of a grant. There were funds that were being handed out by the American Office of National Drug Control Policy. It was available to different shows that promoted an anti-drug kind of message. Uh Aha. I think I see where this is going. So they wrote this particular script... And it was rejected. They basically said, drugs are an issue, but this show is nonsense. This would never do what we would want it to do, which is encourage people not to take illicit drugs. Yeah. So, from the very beginning, can I just point out, this show did not achieve what it wanted to achieve. So, they they made it for the financial gain sacrificed their integrity as writers and <laughs> to make it make a buck and they didn't even make that buck <laughs> they sacrificed their integrity as writers i love that yeah 
so I guess we can see what kind of train wreck we're heading into right now. <laughs> the facts tell us there's a train wreck coming. <laughs> the show starts with a flashback previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yes. Uh, this is what I took away from the previously on Buffy piece. So Buffy is snarky at a guy that she slept with. Seth Green, his character, walks past someone. That's what yeah, I took I away. That was weird. Like Buffy was sort of daydreaming about her ex, who he like screwed her over somehow, slept with her, and then just you know ran away. That sort of deal. And she's sort of daydreaming about like rescuing him and then getting back together with him. This fight is interesting to say the least. The very first, and it's great that the show starts with some action. It is yeah. great that this show starts kicks it off with a bit of a pop. She's fighting some vampires. She's on top of a bit of a ledge. And she throws the first vampire off the ledge. It's probably about two meters to the ground. And he goes, oh, falls, lands on his back. Now, if you're looking to really hurt someone and you're two meters above them, the obvious thing to do, I don't have a black belt in karate, so feel free to to rein me in here. But you'd think would be jump on top of them, drop in a knee, drop an elbow. But what does Buffy do? She parkours down lands on her feet in front of the guy, then rolls over the top of him completely harmlessly. Yeah, that was an interesting takedown, but I I guess it worked, question mark. It actually feels like an episode of Power Rangers. Yeah, right? Just like the the 90s, like, fighting choreography. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this will look cool, but then it didn't really look cool. It was fun. It was a fun fight. It was a fun 90s fight, don't get me wrong. And at the end, she staked the three vampires. Yeah, yeah. That was, that was. I'm glad she did use the stake because, you know, I saw her fighting the vampires and I'm like, she's just kicking them and they're falling down. Are they really dead vampires taken down that easily? I know she's they, super you know, strong, but she weighs a fraction of what they do. Yeah, absolutely. It's not a convincing fight here. No, that it is not. There was one spot where she actually did a like a flying double kick. So she jumped in the air and kicked both her feet yeah. out at the same time. They flew backwards and she stayed perfectly in place. Because in the Buffy universe, uh, an action does not have an equal and opposite reaction. No, it does not. And in this daydream, she saved Parker, which is the guy we know that she slept with from the previously on Buffy piece at the start. Yes, yes, that's correct. And he says that he's treated her badly and he's very sorry. And then he wants to get back with her and she's all happy. People are driven by their animalistic desires, by the id, and it's a really black and white foreshadowing of what this episode is going to try to be. Yeah, exactly. Did you ever do any psychology classes when you were doing Um, your bachelor's degree? I no, I didn't. I didn't do any psychology classes. I did have um, a lecture hall that was kind of like the one they were in, but I feel like that's where the similarities end. I don't know. It just didn't feel real at all. Yeah, it was something quite off, just a little off. I couldn't really put my finger on it. But based on her daydream, I think this is a really shallow representation of how women supposedly perceive men. Right. That- I thought so as well. The, the, the greatest thing that this man could do for her was to 
wear scanty clothes himself and bring her gifts. No, she wants to get back with him, even though he treated her like dirt. Yeah, well, allegedly. Yeah, having allegedly. not seen any other episodes, having, yeah, I can't yeah, say. having not seen that, but <laughs> going from the what two, three minutes of flashback we've seen. Run, 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 diamonds. So the character that I now know as Xander, in my notes, I have noted him as loser bro. Was that um? Was that the bartender guy? Yeah, the bartender guy. He's yes, I just had him as creepy bartender or kind of loser bartender. He's trying to be cool and he's an absolute loser. He's he's bringing Buffy and her friend just the most boring banter and they're actually degrading each other. I felt like these three friends actually didn't even like one another. Yeah, there's a lot of thinly veiled... Um like backhanded compliments um, or just comments that they were making. But cringy. And yeah, Buffy is cringy. really, I know she's going through some stuff, but this is a television show and she is conceited and she is just thinking about herself. Yeah. There's a yeah. really odd piece of banter here as well as they're walking away. They're walking away as though they've just been perfect friends to each other. Um, he yells out, <laughs> nothing can defeat the penis. <laughs> nothing can defeat the penis. Nothing can defeat the penis. And then everyone is just silent and looks at him. They move on to the pub, and I think they've cha- all changed clothes as well for some reason at this point. Yep, got to got to dress up to go to the classy pub. I'm I'm really sorry, Dave. This is a show that's being watched by younger people. There's going to be you know teens and preteens watching this stuff, and I felt like they had an obligation to present coping mechanisms to their audience rather than demonstrate someone who's coping really poorly with the situation. Because I really just don't think that a 10-year-old watching this would have the capability to discern that she's coping really poorly, do what I say, not what I do kind of scenario. I think instead they'd be trying to get on board with their hero, maybe even learning some really bad behaviours from her. Yeah, so I feel like that was, especially for the target audience of the time, that was Mm. a pretty poor decision. Xander the bartender, he sucks. He literally can't even take one order at a time. Yeah, there's all these people crowding him for orders and one person asks for ice water or something and he's that's like all he gets out of it. He's like, he oh, focuses on ice water. The, okay. the item that's worth nothing. I don't care that Buffy is a vampire slayer. I have no respect for any of the characters at this point in the episode. Not, not in this episode. Buffy was, having heard of the show, I figured she would be the kind of super strong character who doesn't care what anyone thinks but she's just a complete mess this episode i mean we get why because of what happened before and the guy treating her badly allegedly allegedly yeah, allegedly <laughs> so i think this bloke should be uh innocent until proven guilty Parker, bad. she very literally runs into a nice guy ignores him as he's being kind to her because she's busy spying on Parker, who is pashing another chick. Meanwhile, Xander is at the bar, deciding that now's his opportunity on his very first shift to hit on one of the girls at the bar. So he hits on this odd-looking chick with weird hair and next-level bangs. And as he's doing that, another massive loser really 
uncomfortable dude with a bum chin butts in and bartender huh. shames him. What do you have to make about the geopolitical position of sociometry? I feel like he's got some real ins- like insecurity issues. He just has to prove how, how much better he is than everyone. Because of his extensive vocabulary. Yeah, extensive vocabulary. Look how smart he is and superior he is. Xandar is sufficiently bartender shamed by the encounter. Oh, he tried. He tried and failed. I'd really like to talk to you about this beer, Dave. All right, let's talk about the beer. I have a lot of problems with this beer. Okay. So, it's got a black logo, and it is called Black Frost. And I know that you're not the alcoholic that I am, but if you're at a pub and you ordered Black Frost, what sort of beer would you expect to come out of that tap? I would expect just a very dark kind of beer, not just standard lager, yes, I guess. Yes, 100% I'm with you. I expected a stout, a stout to come out of this. Something like Guinness is a good example yeah, of, yeah, of a stout. But this is a flat, 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 flat lager. There's not, it's not even, there's no bubbles in this thing. It has no head. It looks like yellow water. It's disgusting to me. I've got beer. Bad, bad beer. A beautiful scene, an absolutely beautiful scene. And Buffy calls herself a slut. So we're, we're into self-deprecation now. Yeah, that didn't even make any sense. Why does she think she's a slut? Wouldn't she be thinking he is? What about the young audience that's watching this who have inadvertently been called sluts themselves as a result of this? Yeah, right? You can see that being that's, a bit harmful. That's that's horrible. Yeah, and creepy bumchin guy from earlier at the bar comes over and puts his hand arm on that other guy's shoulder as well as, like, another guy or two, I think. You're a very beautiful girl who should be covered with men. And can we be those men? They don't touch her inappropriately at all. I don't think there's any physical touch between those men and Buffy. Just a homoerotic touch between each other. And I I appreciate that that acting drunk is really hard. Yeah. It's, It's not something simple, but... We have not chosen a cast here that are familiar with that experience. The director, for whatever they're doing, does not bring anything realistically out of them. No, he does not. And I'm going to keep waving this flag for the whole episode, but once again, I feel like we are educating a young audience to completely misunderstand the relationship between alcohol and their bodies. You can see why this episode got rejected. Seth Green is on a date with Willow from American Pie. They are watching some 90s emo band play. And it's obvious that, well, at least to Willow, that Seth Green is into the singer. He's just watching a band play. And this chick on the stage has like a hunch back. (laughs) Um... And she kind of appears to be staring at Seth Green, the character name. I have no idea what his character is called in this show. He's literally done nothing wrong except appreciated the music that's being played while he's out with his girlfriend. He even mentions that he knows the drummer and he's a cool guy. So far, I feel that this episode is more about women unpacking things in inappropriate ways than men really behaving badly. 
Yeah, because I thought this little part would develop into some kind of, you know, B-plot in the story. Like, they played it like it was significant, but then it wasn't significant at all, so... Yeah, or people are having a bad time at bars. Yeah, I guess just going in with the whole greater narrative of beer bad. But there was no focus on them, those two drinking beer either. Yeah, no, they hadn't even had a single drink yet. Throw them out. They're not spending any money. <laughs> yeah. Wait, are so you guys going to order anything It's expensive to get a band in here, guys. What are you doing? <laughs> get out well, of least, my pub! At least, at least order some peanuts or something, damn it. You're not welcome here! <laughs> You're obligated to order, you know, a chicken burger and some fries. Get amongst it. I mean, that's what I would do if I was watching a band in that kind of situation. I, I'd, I'd order some fries. Some, yeah, a cheeky cheeseburger. Know, some, yeah, cheeky cheeseburger. Maybe some potato wedges. Be all right. But, Man, that you know, sounds nothing. so good right now. I could really go for some potato wedges now with the oh, sweet yeah, chili, sour, sour, sour cream. cream. Oh, oh, dude. And some actually actually good beer. Yeah, some good, good beer. Black frost, borderline water, piss in a glass. No way. <laughs> Sounds like Forex. I can feel a Forex coming on. We cut to Buffy, who was with the group of wankers, uh, led by Bumchin, who are trying to be really cool. And they have really insightful quotes, such as... Black Frost is the only beer. <laughs> Buffy replies... My mother always said beer is evil. Wow. This script... Could have been written by someone in primary school. Yeah, when she when she said that line, it was so blatantly obvious that it was. My mother you know, says beer is evil. My mother says oh beer my is evil. God, oh, so cringy. I reckon we could do with a forex. So it's the dawn of a new day, and Buffy is just. You know, allegedly, supposedly hungover, sitting at the TV. She's acting, been drinking all night. Drinking all night. It's like what someone who has never had a hangover thinks a, hang- a hangover is like. She's just sitting there, staring at the TV, and apparently really stupid because she's just saying, oh, colours good, people good, things like that. This I mean, room if- is so bright. All her blinds are clearly open. It looks like she's got the lights on as well. And she's inches away from the TV, looking perfect in her makeup. I mean, that is the opposite of how you would be if you're hungover. I mean, I wouldn't want to be watching TV if I had a, you know, a throbbing headache. I'm suffering the afterness of a bad night of badness. If you wanted to actually explain to people the dangers of drinking, just show them what it's like in the Seriously, morning. Yeah, when the morning you had after, a bender. Had a, yeah, a big bender, and you just, you're just up in the morning, and you're just regretting existing. Yeah, that, that, that's enough. Willow thinks that she had an orgy with those guys, and she also... Actually, this is probably the most offensive part of the entire show. Yeah. She says that the beer is foamy. That beer... It wasn't foamy at all. It was, was a complete flat. mess. It had How no head. How dare you? Seriously, w- pour yourself some milk, stir it. That is foamier than that beer was. Yeah. Foamy. But Dave, she's buttoned up her shirt wrong. Oh, Therefore, no. Therefore, we know over. that she's a mess. Oh, she is such a mess. 
Which is why apparently she acts like a psycho when they go to their lecture and she steals a girl's sandwich. Yeah, that was super weird. Yeah, alcohol, too much alcohol makes you a thief. Yeah, evil. And that, I mean, Willow reacts okay. Like, you know, she's a good actor, I guess. And she's just, you know, oh, Buffy, what are you doing? What's wrong with you? So that kind of made it feel more natural, I guess. Buffy, are you okay? Even then, that was I don't a know. She's clearly, but... she's clearly a massive airhead. It's like when she was on her date with Seth Green and she offered to make him soup while they were watching the band. Yeah, get that soup, man. Mmm. <laughs> soup. <laughs> maybe, they could, a... maybe it could be a flirting line. He's like, oh, hey, baby, do you do pumpkin or potato? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, like, I need that tomato soup. Actually, I'm more of a leek. Leek girl myself. <laughs> Some potato leek soup. Mmm. Willow has decided that she's going to tell off Parker. Willow just said she didn't want to go out with Seth. She wanted to stay home and study, and then she went out to the bar again when she just said she doesn't want to be at the bar. Yeah, so she went to a different location, but she lied to him. Willow is the one that's doing the wrong thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know if those two are a couple or not, or if it's just... She wants him, and she's too shy to talk about it, I guess, having not well, watched the show. Yeah. Every relationship is based on trust, Dave. Just like me, Parker doesn't really get what Willow is going on about. He's kind of being accused as being some sort of villain in this scenario for having consensual relations with another college student. It wasn't so much about the consensual thing. It was more that, you know, he just slept with her once and... He, he knew it was a fling, but she didn't know that, I guess so. And the way he acted in the scene, just the stuff he said was so weird. He's, he's talking about, you know, the primal instincts of people and just wanting to have that. It was a good thing. I felt like his explanation was fine, but his delivery, he was like one of the wankers. Yeah, very much so. It was verbose so weird, and just like overly sophisticated. He could have said in just a couple of words, yeah, look, it was just a one-off. I was really sorry that she kind of took it the wrong way. That's really bad. Yeah, but he took about five minutes to say that, and it just sounded <laughs> worse than that. How much energy at this point has she invested in confronting a random dude that she could have spent that energy with her friend Buffy, making her feel better? I mean, I guess she thought, you know, oh, I'll deal with this Parker problem. And then I'll go help Buffy when she should just be helping Buffy, being like, hey, let's just eat some ice cream and chill out. Yeah. Like, it's it's not her place. Dude, if I had had a messy breakup with a girl and then you decided without telling me that you would go and confront her about it, I dude, would I would be, I'd be angry at you because it's be not your place. Friend. Yeah. No, that's not being a good friend at all. It's the opposite. Yeah, I wouldn't it's- get involved with that. So I guess, you know, she has good intentions, but really doesn't do the right thing at all. No, but she's kind of lauded as the hero by this episode. She's treated as though she's done something right. And again, the sort of audience that you might expect to be watching this, like, hells yeah, mums would let their eight-year-old kids watch Buffy and learn lessons from Buffy because she's strong and independent. The lessons they're learning is if my friend has a problem, I can go stick my nose in it and make it worse, and that's fine. Yeah, that's really not a good, not what we want to be teaching people. Meanwhile, the group of dudes are turning into monkeys. Like um, actual Neanderthal cavemen jumping around and like making ooh, ooh, ooh kind of gorilla noises. 
Our loser bartender, Xander, scares them away with a lighter. He was trying to get them to leave because they're very obviously wasted. And he's trying to collect his tip from them. Something, And then he somehow manages to get them to give him extra money. He's taking advantage of the drunk people to get more money. So Yeah, I've only been to the US once. I'm only a little bit familiar with that sort of tipping culture. Um, it's really confusing to me. But there has to be some sort of ethical ramifications of that, of exploiting someone who's intoxicated. Yeah, I mean, you know, if someone wants to tip because they're happy with their service, and I don't know how anyone could be happy with his service because he clearly sucks as a bartender. Yeah, and the bar owner doesn't even seem to care. The bar owner is clearly aware of what's going on in his bar because he says that those guys had it coming, but he has no commentary about the fact that Xander sucks at his job. Xander is talking to the owner, who says, firstly, that beer makes all men the same. Yes, that's um, right. And something I philosophically completely disagree with, but if the messaging is that all people are reductive and really just the source of their own desires, I still don't understand what where beer comes into that mix. Maybe it's the whole filter thing. There might things you might want to do, but you just don't do it because, you know you're a person and you know how to act in society but then oh beer automatically makes you completely stupid obviously he's the one doing that beer thing and then yeah he just casually mentions his brother is a warlock i thought so having not watched the show i thought oh okay maybe that's a normal thing because in this show you know warlocks exist and that's just a casual thing that everyone knows about but it still felt super weird just the way he said it well, I'm sure we'll talk about this at the end, but based on that statement, it feels to me that having magical powers is completely standard and something you can be flipping yeah. about in the Buffy universe. Right? Because even though she fights vampires, I'm assuming I'm assuming that most people don't really know about that. That's her sort of moonlight job that only f- her close friends know about. And he showed the owner how to do it, which means that the owner did it, so the owner was the one using the chemistry set. How yeah. is that magic if anyone can be taught how to do it? There's nothing magical about that at all. That's just chemistry. There would yeah. be people at this university studying chemistry. How is the owner of this place somehow better than someone who's actually spending three years studying a degree or doing a postgraduate degree or has tenure studying chemistry? He just picked it up from his wall. Why is he running the bar? He should be heading up the department. So the real villain here is the sober man. The sober bar owner. Who who produced the alcohol? Is he the real villain? Yeah, well, I think... Who knows? But I think in the scene with the lab, it was... He's spiking the beer with weird... Space ligma. Quote-unquote magical stuff that turns them into cavemen for a day. So... crystal meth crystal meth we're making meth here they then proceed to chase two women obviously with the intent of raping them yeah that was just that was just uncomfortable to watch if this beer is on tap then this is a constant occurrence on this campus the cases of abuse and rape must be through the roof at this university. Think about that, Dave. It's not something I'd like to think about. Woman. Oh, God. Let's get out of here. Parker is now flirting with Willow. 
plot twist. Willow never wanted to get with him at all. She oh. calls him gullible. Oh, my God. Wow. A player thought- played a player. He got. He's not going to be doing that again. He got wrecked. Yeah, she she throws out really really rough insults like "id boy." I tell you, men haven't changed since the dawn of time. <laughs> A good episode has something for us to be invested in and worried about. It it has some sort of stakes. Um, ah, stakes. You know in Stakes, yeah, vampire joke. <laughs> yeah. That was a real Captain Picard laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Which is timely because in our episode that was similar to this in Star Trek, the Starship Enterprise and everyone on board was going to explode and die. You're an ex lieutenant. Why are you perspiring, Lieutenant? I'm suffering the afterness of a bad night of. Foamy badness. Doesn't sound like you, Jordy. My mother always said beer is evil. Of course. But I would like to run uh, one or two more tests on you, Lieutenant. Sick bay to bridge. The stakes so far, I think, are really that these two girls are going to be raped. And we're not concerned about that. We're more concerned. Yeah, it doesn't revenge on a guy. That, I'm more you know, concerned even... about Seth Green's character, who's just been screwed around by Willow. I'm not worried about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, because I've just been told it'll wear off in a couple of days. doesn't matter that she falls off her chair and can't use a TV. And we're finally bringing all our characters together, because the cavemen somehow start a fire on a pile of chairs. So the cavemen burst in. I think they knock out Willow, so she's passed out. And I think also Parker gets knocked out. He's lying in the corner somewhere. Yeah, I think he's face down somewhere. Yeah. It was showing Xander before using his lighter to kind of scare off the the caveman, the Neanderthal boys, and they were just terrified of fire. And now Buffy wants to go straight to the source of what she fears most while in cavewoman form. Fire. Yeah, there's a scary thing that'll hurt me. Why don't I run towards it for no reason? I felt like this was to give the story some stakes. So, oh no, the protagonist is in the danger like zone, danger area of the fire. So this must be the third moment that we see Giles, the English voiceover man. He's lost. He's basically asking around to see where Buffy is. Now, he has approached and is asking the most attractive boy that he can find. He's gone out of his way to find a beautiful, beautiful man to speak to. How incredibly gay is Giles? Yeah, right? It was kind it of did funny, not seem to be something in passing. I'm just trying to grab everyone. He's like, oh, young man, stop. <laughs> I need to discuss something with you in detail. <laughs> I'm a fancy boy. <laughs> He's very specific with who he talks to, I guess. Just an observation. By by this point, the door is now blocked, I guess, and they can't get back out. So Ruffy, Buffy literally just ran into the scene of the fire and put herself in danger. After he says that, you think she would do something, but then she just picks up the stick that's lying around, which is clearly rubber, by the way. Yeah, and then she just beats him over the head and knocks him unconscious with it because she's still pissed at him. And she sees these pipes, and so she 
does some cool swing thing. She swings across, grabs the vent, and like knocks it down. And then yeah, I, th- I thought that was a that was a that was cool. Yeah, that was, that was actually a, a cool. good actual solution to the problem. I wouldn't describe it as superhuman. Like her whole thing is supposed to be that she's super strong and. But, but yeah, I was, was a good surprised shot as well. She had the camera angles. the mental capacity, I guess, to do that because you know she's supposedly really stupid from the beer. And they all get out safely. Yep, happy end, Finn. And in the first ever instance of us having a special guest on the show, I'm very happy to introduce senior firefighter Brian Smith of the Queensland Fire and Emergency Services. Brian, it is a delight to have you on the podcast with us today. Thank you for joining. Thank you for asking me. Great to have you here, Brian. Is it true that you've met the mascot for the Queensland Fire and Emergency Services, Blazer Bear, in person? I've more than met him, I have been him. No way. <laughs> Amazing. Are you saying that you embody the spirit of Blazer Bear? Well, I did for a while, um, and it was really good fun. You could walk up to the police commissioner, give him a cuddle, and you know that he wouldn't back out. I walked up <laughs> to the, our local man, gave him a cuddle in front of a big crowd. And you know so that great. he just say no. He just goes for it. He has to. That's actually awesome. No, but nobody can say no to Blazer Bear. What is your relationship with Buffy the Vampire Slayer? It would be hard to get that time back in my life, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and, and did you ever watch the show when it was fresh in the 90s? Not when it was fresh in the 90s, but you know how you click around the channels and just think, oh, what's this? And then you realize what you're watching and then you change it. Well, Mm. Buffy was one of the ones used to change. (laughs) (laughs) This episode features a climactic ending of a fire in the basement level of a building. Now, we'd really like your input around the accuracy of the fire. Like, is is the way that it spreads, is that realistic? Nothing of it really is realistic. The way the smoke reacts in a room, the smoke goes to the ceiling and it works its way down. And you get this, what's called a neutral plane, where you've got the smoke above and the fresh air below. And we teach the kids at Fire Ed to get down low and go, go, go outside in a case of a fire. And the reason for that is that they're down below this neutral plane where the smoke is, where it's safe. Now, in the basement fire, there's nowhere for the air to go. So it has to go up to the ceiling and it slowly works its way down. In this case, if you're trying to go into the basement, you're hitting all those hot gases coming out of that room. So it's almost impossible in that situation to do. On top of that, I have been in house fires where I've put my wearing breathing apparatus, where I've put my hand right in front of my face and I can't see my hand. A few times it would be like a metre visibility away or two, but usually you can't see a thing. So the trouble is it's almost impossible in a movie sense to make anything worthwhile watching because you just simply can't see it anyway. So in this situation, if it was real, you literally would not be able to see. You wouldn't be able to see, and anyone stepping into that doorway would die from the toxic fumes. And what about the heat? 
let's let's assume that Buffy the Vampire Slayer yep. is so powerful that she could um, breathe in the burning plastic fumes. Would that heat hurt those people that were also in the basement at that range? You w- once he got onto those pipes that I presume they were water pipes or supporting pipes of some sort. She would be up with the really hot gases, and she wouldn't. She would just die. No question about it. And I assume ah. that those pipes would probably be red hot as well. I hadn't thought of that when I was oh, watching. Yeah, would, actually, they would be getting very hot. They would be very getting getting very hot. I have been in um, factory fires where you've got big girders, big I beams or RSJs, and they bent down 10, 20 meters from the heat. So once something gets up around a thousand degrees, which is, you know, that temperature that you're expecting, um, everything starts to bend and twist and what have you. So at the end, we see a fire truck there, but no ambulance. In that case, in this kind of fire, how bad would the smoke inhalation be? Would they, would they have to go to hospital or would they be just pitch black from all the soot? Well, in real life, they'd be dead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. But, but, but of course there would be, um, ambulances there. You've got to remember, though, that this is America, and sometimes the fire brigade is the first response in the ambulance situation. Yeah, wow. Uh, okay, so wow. That, yeah, didn't realise that. that. So, so, but they always, they'll always put a fire brigade there, at, like a truck, and guys walking around just to make it look more genuine. They can just be dragging hose or anything, and it just looks right. Yeah, because they, yeah, they certainly true. didn't seem to be caring for anybody's health. Uh, as a matter of fact, they had their backs to them and were poking around inside the door. Um, were you able to tell what they might be doing? If you have a fire like that, you would be going in and wetting everything down. You would be using things like ceiling hooks where you'd be pulling the wall out, making sure that the structure behind the wall isn't on fire. You'd be using thermal imaging cameras to make sure that uh, everything's cool enough and finding hot spots and making sure they're out. Uh, they, they had what looked like sort of hooks, long spears with hooks on the end. That, that may have actually been an accurate portrayal of the next step. It would have been, but, you know, they, you use it once or twice and they're filthy. They were nice and clean. <laughs> you, you, get, yeah. you get stuff all over you. You get black, you get stuff all over you and... and and uh, and it was, you know, nice. They were all nice and clean. Everybody was lovely. Yeah. The knight in shining armor is the one who didn't fight in the battle. That's true. That's right. Would you would you describe the portrayal of this fire as a complete and utter disaster? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, was, I think there's no doubt with that question. And to be honest, most fires on TV are a, a disaster because they can't depict the real thing. Because you just can't see in it. Right. So if a show wanted to depict a fire accurately, they'd be best to do it outside. That's right. Or it would you'd have that neutral plane where it would be just under your head and you'd show people crawling around. And uh, my last question is uh, probably more of a personal one. Do you feel that there's any ethical concerns that that come from displaying these sorts of fire events wrong? Two steps in and they could be dead. So mm. everyone thinks, I can run in and save that person, not realising that, that they're going straight into a toxic situation which will kill them. 
That's where we've got our boots, our coats, jackets, flash hoods, breathing apparatus, everything's gloves, everything there just to protect us. You just don't run in. And even we have to be careful. Yeah, wow. I guess it just can possibly set an unsafe precedent where people are thinking, oh, you know, it's okay. I have a minute. I can go and just grab this one thing before I... And I think you described it very aptly as a toxic situation, which is also how I would describe this episode. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I would agree there. Well, Brian Smith, Senior Firefighter for Queensland Fire and Emergency Services, uh, this has been incredibly educational and enlightening. I think I speak for myself and Dave when I say that, and our listeners. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It was our pleasure. There you have it, guys. Even the fire service agrees that this episode is a complete and utter disaster. If you'd like some disaster-free service, though, I can definitely recommend Switchnode. Switchnode are the alternative to the Australian NBN, and are the best when it comes to internet and phones. How do they provide better service and a better product at a competitive price? It's easy. Better technology, and actually caring about their clients, is what sets them apart. If you're a business leader in Australia, do yourself a favour and reach out to Switchnode for a quote on your business's telecommunications. Give them a chance to give you the best. And remember, by supporting our sponsor, you're supporting us. For more information, visit switchnode.com.au. Parker, for some reason that I don't really get, apologizes to Buffy for mistreating her. I, I can't... I feel like a realistic apology was would be like, I'm really sorry I didn't call you the next day. Or I'm really sorry I didn't let you know what was going on. This was what she was daydreaming at the very start of the episode, that she yeah. would save his life and he would offer her some sort of apology. She turns around and hits him on the head with the Knocking club, though. Again. A normal episode, you would actually take away that somehow she had learned something over the course of the episode that had made her grow as a person and then she had decided to act in a different way than she first intended to. Um, this is just makes me think, oh, she's still a cave woman. All in all, Dave, a complete and utter mess. Absolutely. But we just love to watch utter messes here. Oh, look, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. It was pretty fun. It was. I really have enjoyed tearing this thing to shreds. And just like our episode with Towley, a really good example of a missing set of morals, something that kind of purports to have a strong ethical purpose when you actually try to break it apart and find what that message is it's it's completely missing yeah it's just bogus it's a way of being smug and superior they're ignorant stupid and narcissistic just push the too far this time man they learnt nothing Self-righteous life forms where you get to prosecute, to judge anything they don't understand. Don't understand. I understand. What? What? What did you say? What the? Sorry? What? Ah. This is the point where with complete and utter ignorant prejudice, we explain what the entire television series must be about and what it must be like based solely on the one episode that we've just watched completely in isolation what is the rest of the show about i wouldn't have expected it to be about vampires i mean like i get that's the, a was the really caveman good point. and the, like i mean you see a few vampires at the start in a daydream but then the entire episode seems to be had a lot of teen angst 
and college shenanigans, I guess, with some supernatural element, but that was really barely in there at all. Just teen, teen shenanigans, teen angst, and beer, which is bad for some reason. What did you think about it, Nathan? What are your thoughts? What's your take? It's a world where magic and normal people are clearly comfortable with one another. Apart from the rape victims kind of running away from the cavemen, people seemed maybe perplexed, but not really dismayed by the fact that there were cavemen running around the campus. You'd think at a place of learning, if you if you discovered the Neanderthal, the missing link, live in the flesh, this is something to actually pay attention to and study, but they're not interested. Um, it just tells me that this is a, a wacky world where magic is normal, uh, and every week we're going to have some sort of random magician casting some sort of spell on the main characters who clearly don't even like one another, let's be honest. Would you mind letting the cat out of the bag for our listeners and letting us know what our next episode might be about? It's Happy Days, Season 5, Episode 3. Our listeners will best know this as the episode where they jump the shark. Yep, Fonzie jumps the shark. I'm really excited to watch this one. Yeah, this is... It's kind of... It's, it's, it's legendary in meme it's culture. It's legendary. It's where the term came from, jumping the shark. We, we couldn't pass this up at Rough and the Diamonds. I'm Nathan, and you can contact me on Twitter at GoodJibesOnly. And I'm David, and you can contact me at Rough and the Diamonds Memes on Facebook and Instagram. Would you commit to making a jump the shark meme? You know what? Just for our listeners, I'll do that. I'll do it. He's doing it! Yes! Yes! He's Back doing it, it, folks! You heard it here! Very exciting. <laughs> this is something else to look forward to. I hope that it is amazing and it starts a bit of a trend. I cannot wait. You know me, I'm very I'm always a pioneer, a trendsetter. Just yes, the kind you are. of guy I am. The meme expert that you are. The meme pioneer. Well, Dave, I have to thank you this episode for being an incredible co-host. Our music is, of course, kindly provided by Scott Buckley and Headshot to the Heart. And as ever, we are sponsored by the amazing internet company for business, internet and phones, telecommunications. We're sponsored by Switchnode. Thank you very much, Switchnode. Without you, we wouldn't be able to do this. Absolutely. Until next time, Dave. Cheers. Cheers. Have a good one. Just offensive this episode, isn't it? I don't know what sort of childish breakdown of beer there is where you call it foamy. It's not a goddamn cappuccino. The foam isn't the reason you drink it.